If you look at Vonderplatz, the last people he's endorsed have won Iowa. So that is such an evangelical state, and I think that that really matters. And Kim Reynolds is more popular than Trump in her own state. I would actually be surprised if he doesn't compete highly with Trump or win the state. That's going to be important for DeSantis for that ground game, because caucuses are about turning people out. Doesn't mean he wins, but I'm just saying that's significant for him. All right, good Monday to you. I hope you had a great weekend. This is The Sean Spicer Show. You are in the right place to make sure that you start your week off right when it comes to everything that's about to happen politically. Big debate Wednesday night in Alabama. News Nation is the host. I will be down there doing pre and post show. We've got the show going live from down there. So it's going to be fun. I think we'll bring in a lot of folks. Uh, Have a little view for you of what it's like to be out there uh, and bring you inside the debate hall as well. Obviously, a lot of behind the scenes stuff today, though. We're going to break that all down with our amazing panel Indiana radio host Tony Katz, Hogan Gidley from the uh, America First Policy Institute Center for Election Integrity. He's the vice chair over there. And my old co-host at Spicer and Company, Lindsay Keith joins me now. She is now the host of Centerpoint on TBN every night. Let's bring them all in. All right, guys, welcome. Good to see you on a Monday. Uh, We are taking the show on the road, headed down to Alabama, as I said just a minute ago. So let's start by previewing this debate. Uh, Chris Christie today says uh, that he's in on this debate. He made comments yesterday on CBS's Face the Nation saying he's met the qualifications. Do you think that we see Chris Christie on the stage uh, when the debate takes off on Wednesday? Yeah, I think so. Uh, looks like he's met really? a lot of the criteria needed. Um, and I'll be down there too. So I look forward to seeing oh, you down nice. there. Look, these debates are always about creating a moment and then taking that moment and turning it into momentum and then ultimately a movement. I don't think Chris Christie has the ability for the latter two. I think he can create some moments. What was interesting to me was in the last debate when he was saying things like, look, we just got to be calmer and quieter and gentler. Can't we work for them? I was thinking, that's not the Chris Christie we all know and love. We want you to be the body, brash, bare knuckle brawler you have been in the past. So don't try to pretend as though everyone else should be calm, giving you the lane to be tough. It was a weird juxtaposition of how we all have have come to know and and learn and love some of the pieces of Chris Christie. But I think he whiffed last time, but he'll be on stage this time, probably trying to create some of those moments again and see what he can do with them. You know, Lindsey Keith, uh, Chris Christie definitely is in the the low, you know, 10, 11, 12 polling in New Hampshire. But his national average, which is, well, I don't care for it, is a criteria for the Republican National Committee. His national average is 2.2%. That's what Christie seems to be upset about. He met the state polling, i.e. New Hampshire, one of the early states, but he's not hitting that national one. What do you think he does if he doesn't make this? I think that we'll hear from him. Um, I think that he'll get, you know, he'll be on the pundit and NBC or something like that. We'll definitely hear from him, maybe some kind of counter-programming, not like we've seen from Trump necessarily, but I hope personally that he is on the debate stage. I think he is a voice that makes the debates more interesting. We need that. Um, And no one seems to be able to realize that they all are actually running against Donald Trump right now. He's the only one that really gets that on the debate stage and actually goes after him. If you like how he goes after him or not, he's the one that recognizes this is our, you know, this is the goal to meet. Um, And so I think that he brings that. If he's not there, 
it'll be interesting if anyone picks up that slack. We've seen Nikki Haley do that a little bit more. But I do think he'll do some kind of counter-programming, whether it is being um, a pundit on NBC or doing some kind of interview, because he needs he needs that name recognition nationally, because like you said, he is pulling nationally not very well. And I think people kind of know who he is, but they don't know what he's about beyond being against Trump. And, right. and he really needs to be able to talk about how he would govern, how he would, how he would govern this nation. And I don't think people really know that, except for you hate Trump. <laughs> right. All right, guys, are you tired of wasting your money on testosterone booster products that don't work? I don't blame you for that. That's why our sponsor, Eugenics Total T, is allowing you to get a free sample just like this. You get a free to try it before you buy it if you text 231-231 and enter code SPICER. 231231, and then just enter keyword Spicer. You will get to try it before you buy it. And Nugenics Total Tea has Testafin, right? This will help you turn back the clock and re-energize your life. Don't take their word for it, though. That's the beauty of this. You get to try it before you buy it. Text 231231, just enter Spicer, and you get your free sample. You'll get more passion in your life, more energy in your life. It's the number one doctor-recommended brand and the number one selling testosterone and booster brand at both GNC and at Walmart. Uh, it can help re-energize your life, get you back in the powerful, confident, good-looking warrior mode that you used to be. And I know you used to be that way. So now you can go text 231-231 and you get that complimentary sample. But here's the thing. You will also get a complimentary sample of Nugenics Thermo X, their newest and most powerful fat-burning incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose stubborn fat. So go to 231-231, text that, enter keyword Spicer. Texting though does enroll you in recurring automated messages, consent not required to purchase, message and data rates may apply. It is the number one doctor recommended brand by primary care physicians based on an independent survey conducted by IQVIA 2022. Tony Katz, the, the Chris Christie strategy is I'm going to do really well in New Hampshire. I'm going to sling slingshot into Nevada and South Carolina, and then Katie bar the door. Here I go. Um, I, I've seen that movie before. It never actually goes past the first right. few minutes. Um, where do you come down on on Chris Christie? Because he his his whole thing is I have a right to to run my own games, my own strategy. My strategy is I'm going to play strong in New Hampshire and then slingshot forward. He is at 2% nationally, which again, I recognize doesn't mean anything. And he also talks about the fact that if you look back at the winner of the Iowa caucuses in the last few cycles, they were, you know, at four, five, six, seven percent at the time. And, you know, no one's bemoaning that that idea that you can do well in Iowa and then move forward. I, I kind of come back and I say, yeah, but you've never had somebody that's had a 50 point lead either. Uh, it, it, to the extent that we believe the 50-point, nearly 60-point uh, leads, yes, this is insurmountable stuff. And the last guy who tried the slingshot theory as you're discussing it uh, was Rudy Giuliani. And I don't think this sequel works out well for Chris Christie at, at all. Uh, but to, to Lindsay's point and, and, and Hogan's point about uh, where was Chris Christie in the last debate, that's, that is a key question, one that got missed from every pundit. Where exactly was he? If your entire run. If if you're running based on the idea of you're the guy who will smack Donald Trump around and you don't have a single thing to say about Donald Trump because no one here can say, well, here's what he said about Trump or here's what he said about Trump policy or here's what he said about Trump yesterday. Zero. Nothing. He was invisible in the last uh, debate. So I don't know if he's going to be 
on the stage. Certainly, if you're only going to have three or four people, I don't mind uh, the fourth person on the stage. But this is his entire methodology. The idea of him talking about how he's going uh, to, to, to govern would be a very big departure from why he told us he was getting in this race, that Donald Trump can't be trusted and we need a real Republican in, in, in office. And he did not deliver that message in the last debate at all. Yeah. You know, Hogan, what, you know, we talked about the dynamics and the people. What do you want to see out of this one? Because at most, we're talking four people on stage. So you got DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, and then maybe Chris Christie or not. But at the end of the day, it's either three or four people. That's a lot more time. Do you want to hear about specific issues that might have gone overlooked? Do you want to see some more interaction? Do you want, as Tony Katz just said, to see some more substance? What is it that you want out of this debate this time? Well, these things are always so interesting and, and debate days and nights, Sean, you can appreciate. They're the best, most fun for the political junkie on the planet <laughs> if you're not on a campaign. If you're right. on a campaign, they're horrible because you have to do all the prep ahead of time, tee up the reporters, get ready for this line, get ready for this subject matter, watch him take on him or her on the stage. And then during it, you're having to push all this stuff out in real time. Listen, I'm not afraid of anyone at 1%. Okay, I work for Rick Santorum and Mike Huckabee both of whom weren't even household names at all, much less high in the polls in Iowa at this point, but both of them catapulted and took the state. So things can happen there, obviously. And with someone like DeSantis having uh, Kim Reynolds' apparatus and Bob Vanderplatt's apparatus at his disposal, chances Hold are- Let, me, let me just interrupt you there. Game. You worked for both of these guys, both whom won. What, what was it that, that changed between this time in the cycle and the caucuses happening because all of those guys were in single digits and ended up winning. What was it that, what was the dynamic, the ground game effort, the advertising that, that you saw as a common thread in both of those that changed the game? Well, there were several. <clears throat> With Santorum, for example, again, it was one of those deals where Romney was at the top and everyone had their shot and then fell down. It was uh, Ben Carson had it, he fell down. Um, other people kind of rose to the top. Uh, Michelle Bachman, she fell down. Perry came in, he went up and he went down. So it was like everyone had their shot. Santorum put in the work. He went to all 99 counties. We met with a lot of folks and then started to build out that evangelical base, which is so important in Iowa. And so really no one was talking about it until right before Christmas. And there's a great documentary about it uh, called uh, Caucus. It really does capture the inherent awkwardness of campaigning. But the, one, of the, one of the moments was in the, in the Des Moines Register they were about to release their poll, and it was Ron Paul versus uh, Mitt Romney about to win the caucus. And then they realized the polling days before actually had Santorum eclipsing. So they had to make a decision. Do we change the cartoon and get rid of Ron Paul and put him to uh, Santorum? And everyone's looking around going, Santorum's for real. This is real. And it took a long time because the person was unknown. The difference here, though, is you have a former president of the United States who doesn't have to say, I promise if you elect me, I'll do these things. Right. He can say, you like what you had before, put me back in, I'll do it all over. And now I know where the bodies are buried. I know what they tried to do to me with the weaponization of government. I'm going to go after them too, not just to protect me, but to protect you from the uh, onslaught of, of an aggressive government. So it's a weird confluence of events. I think it's unique in all ways. But right now, Trump obviously is the person to be here. You know, Lindsay, I, I, what I, I want to go back to kind of what I was asking Hogan to some extent before I interrupted him. Is there an issue? I feel like we haven't talked really a lot about 
at all about the Second Amendment. I don't think there's been a ton of time spent mm -hmm. on China. Zero time spent really on veterans, military, national defense. Uh, there really isn't a topic that this one's come at. What do you think is something that you would like to see more of out of this debate that you haven't heard already? You know, I think China is definitely something I want to hear about how someone's going to handle that. Recently, you know, Trump has this talking point that he's the only person that can prevent World War III and that he knows all the players. And that's true. You know, if you are a suburban mom and you hear that, like him or not, what he says is very true. Nikki Haley might be able to, you know, rebut that a little bit, but at the end of the day, Trump's the person. What I want to hear, though, is kind of what I'd mentioned early about Chris Christie. When I look at that debate stage, and if it only ends up being those three people, DeSantis, Haley, and Vivek, they all, when they're asked about Trump, they demure a lot. They don't go after him. And that is the person to beat. He is the front runner by 50 points. If you look at- do you, do you, Lindsay, do you think that that's a bad strategy? Like I actually, I think that going after Trump doesn't get like, it, well, let's call it 50% of the people like Trump. And I think going after Trump versus I, I've always thought that the strategy is try to become the alternative to Trump, get everyone to realize that if you don't like him, I can be that vessel. Do you think that they should be going more after him or that they should try to consolidate that second place lane? Well, it's a good question, Sean. I think it's how they go after Trump. Really, what I want to hear from these candidates are is how are they going to govern differently? They really take the America first policy and then just try to rebrand it to themselves. And you've heard Vivek say, you know, MAGA isn't specific to one person, but ultimately you have a person who did it so well and they're running again. So why are you running against them? If I look at what Trump really did well and what's going to matter in 2024, it's the economy. And they keep going up against Bidenomics. Well, I can do this against about Bidenomics. But at the end of the day, what can you do better than Trump? What can you do better than how he ran the economy when he was president? Because that's what I need to hear from you, not how you're going to beat Biden, how you could beat Trump and how you can make the economy successful in, in 2024 and beyond. And none of them have been able to answer that, frankly. Right. And none of them actually have an answer either to China, Nikki Haley a little bit, but really stop it. I think when people think I go against Trump, they think I need to attack him like we see Chris Christie do. What you need to say is how your policies are going to be better than what you saw him do for four years and how you can go stronger, not how you can build upon America first. I haven't heard anyone say that. All right, folks, in this day and age, being prepared for unexpected health challenges is more important than ever. And that's where contingency medical comes in they can provide you with access to emergency packs of antibiotics for ordinary ailments. We're talking urinary tract infections, ear infections, strep throat, and so much more. We're talking about common antibiotics that treat hundreds of additional infections. Contingency Medical even has symptom management medicines from everything from nausea to diarrhea to motion sickness, ensuring you're up to the task, even if you're not feeling your best. I've got some free samples of their ReadyPack Plus. Uh, I feel if I'm getting worn down or something's coming on, I just take one of their packs. So Contingency Medical also provides access to board-certified physicians for guidance on safe and effective treatments. Plus, your prescriptions are shipped from a licensed pharmacy, so you know you're receiving quality care from the time you order to the time that it arrives in your home. Contingency Medical also offers free shipping on all packs. Uh, so 
Don't wait. Go to contingencymedical.com slash Spicer now and enter promo code Spicer for $20 off your first pack. That's $20 off any pack at contingencymedical.com slash Spicer with your promo code Spicer. Now, Contingency Medical and its products are not intended as a substitute for professional medical treatment or advice. Consult with your healthcare provider. Tony, do you think that there's enough time being spent by these candidates talking about how they contrast themselves with Biden, or should they be spending more time contrasting themselves with the front runner, Donald Trump? The answer is yes. I, it, it's 50-50 because even if, even going back to that last debate we talked about uh, not going after Trump, no one discussed Biden. You would have forgotten right. that any of them were actually running against Joe Biden. This is the only time that they have uh, to do it. They, you know, the argument of, and I totally agree, it has been paint yourself as the alternative. Oh, Trump this. Oh, there's the indictments here. He's crazy this. It's too much baggage there. But the polling has not shown any of that. So if there's going to be a pivot, the pivot is now. And I don't think that pivot is for someone like Nikki Haley. And there is no room in that pivot for Vivek Ramaswamy because the Trump supporter is the Ramaswamy uh, supporter. I don't think I'm speaking out of school there. It is for Ron DeSantis. He comes off what could be seen as a rather good uh, appearance against Gavin Newsom, where Gavin Newsom's wife threw in the towel to stop a debate from happening. I think he can take some of that momentum and make that pivot. He's the only guy who has that option, has that opportunity. And I, I question whether or not he'll take it because results wise, he does excellent, excellent work in Florida. He's got a record campaigning wise. And you guys have been following more campaigns than I have uh, just in terms of your careers. His campaign seems to be pretty much a mess. So I want to get to that in just a second. I want to get to the, his campaign, the endorsements, whatever. But but let's go around the horn real quick. Just Hogan, name an issue that you really want to hear something about at this debate. China. I think China, what we've already yeah. said, China 100%. Lindsay. Yeah, I echo that. And dealing with Taiwan as well, because that is really going to be the crux there. Tony Katz. I want to hear explicit examples and dis policy discussions of what you're going to do about the southern border. Not comprehensive yeah. immigration reform, actual specific policies. Yeah, I wonder if, because there's at most four at this debate, whether we're going to let them, because it's interesting, going on for 60 seconds, anybody can do that and just throw out a ton of buzzwords. When you get to two minutes plus, you gotta have some heft in there, some substance. And I, I wanna see if that happens. Um, do you, let's, let's kind of just keep going some rapid fire because I wanna move on to the DeSantis campaign in a second. Do you think that any one of the four candidates that I mentioned is out before New Hampshire, Hogan Gidley? Ooh. So we're That's talking, the right answer. We're, we're, just so we're clear, for everyone who's, I mean, obviously Trump's in. Then we got DeSantis, Haley, Ramaswamy, and Christie. Do any of the four not named Trump drop out before New Hampshire, Hogan, the, Gidley? The only one would be Vivek because Christie's putting all of his eggs in New Hampshire. So yeah. Nikki is is counting on her home state to be her Waterloo. And of course, DeSantis, um, well, I say DeSantis, if he finishes third in Iowa, I bet he gets out too. Yeah. Lindsay? I say no, because New Hampshire is so quickly after Iowa. I think that they'll try to just do everything they can to stay in until uh, into New Hampshire. Tony Katz. I, I think that's right. I'd, you make a very good point about uh, if DeSantis finishes third in Iowa. That I mean, I, I get that logically. I just don't think they'll do it. I think they know they're not going to do well in New Hampshire. I wouldn't be surprised if they wait to see if they have some value in South Carolina, South which is going to be tough enough for them. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to play my, do my John McLaughlin impression. And, and if you don't know who that is, Google it. I'm going to go wrong. Uh, the answer is DeSantis. 
I think here's my answer. If DeSantis Hogan hits on something, if he does not do well in Iowa, he's going to drop out because he still is young enough that he's got a future political career. He's still right. governor of Florida. If he gets his butt spanked in Iowa and then goes on to New Hampshire and equally gets killed, he's coming back to Florida and not able to run for dog catcher, right? I mean, my yeah. point is, is at some point you kind of, you make up an excuse, say, I'm going to go back to, to my and govern and do all this stuff in Tallahassee. But if he gets embarrassed in Iowa, he cannot afford to get embarrassed twice and expect to live on in the future. The last thing I wanna ask about in Iowa before we turn to the DeSantis campaign specifically is there were a bunch of endorsements this week. So you got DeSantis getting Kim Reynolds, a very popular Republican governor, and he got Bob Vanderplatz, the CEO of the, of the evangelical group, the family leader. Then on the flip side, Nikki Haley got the backing of the Coke-backed Americans for Prosperity, which is gonna be mail, ground game, advertising. Around the horn, uh, Hogan, I'll start with you again. What do you think the impact of any and all those endorsements does to the race, if anything at all? And I want you just to, what one do you think mattered, if any? Um, typically, I say endorsements don't matter. But in a state like Iowa, when you have Kim Reynolds, who's very popular there, uh, when you have Bob Vanderplatz, who has a pretty big organization statewide, drawn some, some serious victories, uh, mobilizing the evangelicals, that's going to be important for DeSantis for that ground game because caucuses are about turning people out. Doesn't mean he wins. But I'm just saying that's significant for him. The Nikki Haley piece, talk about your all-time biggest meh uh, moments because she got the Koch brothers in today's GOP. It, 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 it doesn't make you receive praise. It kind of turns you into a pariah because no one wants to talk about the globalist, elitist, corporatist groups like the Koch brothers going with someone like Nikki Haley, who seems to have embraced that neocon lane of this race. I think she's. Um, in a position that is not just untenable, but it's very unpopular with the GOP base. It's going to be hard for her to use that other than the money, which is great. Right. So, uh, I, so Lindsay, I want to put, I want to, I want to put the same question to you, but here's what I would caveat it on. I agree with Hogan's assessment to some degree, but it's not like they're running around saying we endorse Nikki Haley. They're just going to spend a ton of money supporting her. Most voters probably won't even know that it's AFP that's backing her. But the base so, knows. Okay, fair enough. But my question is, and I think the the base, the people who it matters to already have made up their mind. But Lindsay Keith, same question to you. What, if any, of these endorsements matter? So I actually think the Kim Reynolds one and Bob Vanderplatz are the biggest ones for DeSantis. I don't know if it'll make him win Iowa, but it'll get him, I think, very close. If you look at Vanderplatz, the last people he's endorsed have won Iowa. So that is such an evangelical state. And I think that that really matters. And Kim Reynolds is more popular than Trump in her own state. So yeah. I really think that I would actually be surprised if he doesn't compete highly with Trump or win the state, but up in the air. As yeah. far as the Koch brothers, I do. I actually agree kind of with both of you, Sean and Hogan. I think to people that know it's a little bit of a turnoff, but that's not really what matters to her right now, to Nikki Haley. She is trying to, I think, pull over some of those swing voters and get them on her side. She knows that she needs to work on the base later, but I think that it'll give her momentum and allow her to be in the race longer because it's your point, Sean, that money. And she needs that um, to continue to have that strength. And she is on an upward trajectory and you have Rhonda Sanders is on a downward trajectory. Um, and so I think that that just boosts her even more. Yeah. Uh, Tony Katz, same question to you. 
So the trajectory part doesn't matter if van der Plaats turns people out to caucus and the whole difference between caucus states and primary states and the amount of work that it takes. That's why all the polling regarding President Trump, it's, I mean, it's there. I'm not going to deny that it exists, but does that translate into people sitting in a high school gymnasium and moving around like, like pieces on a, on a monopoly board and caucusing for you? So that's the question. I do think uh, the van der Plaats uh, endorsement certainly helps. I'm, I couldn't, I don't think I'd give a good answer regarding Kim Reynolds. As for the AFP side, and full disclosure, I've done a ton of work with Americans for Prosperity. They sponsor my video series on, on Rumble, uh, Search Tony Katz, uh, right now. I was blown away by the Nikki Haley uh, in endorsement because I didn't understand why they did it. This is, you know, AFP deals a tremendous amount with the grassroots and, and the activists. And, and I don't think they're there for Nikki Haley. And I think for a lot of people, there was a lot of, wait, I'm sorry, what have you done? Never mind that they picked Nikki Haley. They picked somebody in general. I think it was Axios or one of the others who stated uh, that through their reporting that AFP has gotten more blowback from this than anything they've ever done, which is kind of a telling uh, a statement. Yeah. I think it's interesting to hear you guys, uh, Hogan and, and, and Lindsay, say that you don't think it, it's going to mean a, a anything. You know, you talk about the base. It's not going to mean anything out outside of it. I, I, I question now whether AFP is asking itself, was getting in this the best move? And was this more of a an organizational conversation? Was this more of a Charles conversation? Uh, I, I, they, I think on a policy to, uh, conversation, I think they do a lot of good work. And certainly they were helpful in my Indiana and bringing down cigar taxes and things like that. I'm a cigar guy, so I appreciate it greatly. Um, but it was it was really a very, very weird thing to see happen. But well, Tony, I mean, what, what, what is, I, I think what you've said seems to complement what Lindsay and Hogan both said. So where, because they're, they were, and I agree with them. I think the Vander Plaats endorsement matters because of what you said about caucuses. Bob Vander Plaats was on the show a week ago, if people want to go search it. And sitting in, I've been to the Iowa caucuses. When you're sitting in, you know, it might be somebody's house. It could be a gym. It could be a church, a VFW, an American Legion for hours, moving around, listening to speeches, being very public about who you're with. And the Vander Plaats organization has real heft. And um, and it's it's people who have been in Iowa for a while. Uh, so I, I, I do think that that can matter big time, but yeah. what, what is it? I, I'm still trying to figure out, are you disagreeing with the AFP? Like, I, I get your point about the blowback, but I, I think that seems to, to, uh, agree I, I with would state, I, I would state that, that it, look, if Nikki Haley was the nominee, I'd vote for her over Joe Biden. I would also vote for Ron DeSantis. I'd also vote for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. I say that here without any bit of equivocation. But I think the, the, the question was, why are you endorsing to begin with? What was the point here? Did they do right. uh, some level of polling and decide that Nikki Haley is the best shot against Joe Biden, which we've seen in some polls? Uh, did they say we, we just can't handle four more years of Trump and so therefore the motivation w was different? I don't think that there was enough of an explanation and it, certainly I don't think connected with the activist class that is so much a part of AFP all across uh, the, the the country that I, I don't know if it's going to move the needle. I don't know if it's going to bring more people to her side, but I think for AFP, it put them in I, I, my view, outsider looking in, it put them in the spot of why did you make this move to begin with? I don't know yeah. where their win is. All right, folks, I want to ask you something if you are worried about your financial future. Do you think you're being lied to by some of the Wall Street folks who keep telling you to put your money in an IRA or a 401k because they say that risking your life savings in a Wall Street casino is a secure investment for the future, right? Yet studies show that the average Americans who follow that advice will outlive their saving 
by 10 years, 10 years. So if you want tax-free income, you know what your tax rate will be in retirement. It's zero under current tax law, which protects you from the coming tax tsunami that you will facing. You will be in control. You get access to your money for any purpose with no questions asked, without government control or restrictions, how much you can take in or out. Think about that. That's the case with 401ks. You've got built-in inflation protection. If you want guaranteed predictable growth of your money and tax-free retirement income, then go to bankonyourself.com slash Spicer, bankonyourself.com slash Spicer, and they'll send you a free report with proven retirement plan alternatives that banks and Wall Street are desperately hoping that you never see. They've got a better way of making sure that you have the money for your future. Bankonyourself.com slash Spicer for your free report. That's bank on yourself.com slash Spicer. So Lindsay, I want to pivot a little to DeSantis' campaign and, and let's kind of break down the week that he had, right? So he had this debate with Newsom. I actually thought he did a really good job at the debate and he contrasted his policies on a whole host of issues with Newsom. Um, and I thought that that was a good thing for him. He completed what they call a full Grassley, which is going to all 99 counties. But yet once again, over and over again, it's overshadowed by organizational screw ups. And you saw that the CEO of his big super PAC, never back down, Christian Kowski gets pushed aside for Kristen Davidson, um, who comes in and then she herself gets pushed out a couple days ago. They continue to have these organizational problems. They're standing up another super PAC that's just going to deal with advertising. But it, it just, it, it's like every time that you think you're going to have a good day, I feel like it's the Trump White House back when I was there where we'd have a good day and then we'd step on our own message. The DeSantis campaign does not look like it's moving in the right direction. I think that's a good synopsis, Sean. And I can see you uh, laughing, Hogan, about the Trump administration part. But it does seem like they keep <laughs> Sorry, getting Hogan, their own. PTSD, I don't, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> every day was smooth. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, it does seem like they're getting in their own way a bit, which is, you know, surprising because like you said, they had a very strong week and that should, that should be, you know, upward momentum for them, but it's the opposite because they keep, you know, causing their own pain and getting in their own way. I also think, you know, something that's really interesting and Sean, you and I actually did a town hall with Ron DeSantis, um, during the, the height of COVID yeah. in Florida. And, you know, so many people, I hadn't met him to that point. So many people have said he's unlikable. He's not a likable guy, but I actually found the opposite. He was in a room full of people in the villages and people loved him. And we had a great experience with him. I don't know who's advising him on his own campaign, but he does come across as very unlikable and stiff. And I can only imagine what it is like in his campaign, because I think they're almost trying to figure out his public um, facing persona. And the reason I say that is I think they're struggling. Who is this guy? And they haven't just stuck with one person. It's you have the tough Ron DeSantis, who's extremely tough. And then, you know, you have the nice guy who knows how to govern. And so it's, they're almost their image is not rooted in, in one thing. And I think that's yeah. a problem yeah. for them. And I think that's why you're seeing this internal conflict. Um, and I remember when I was on Romney, they didn't want him to be the awkward, rich guy that he was. And it <laughs> messed up after 2012, you know, all the press was like, who is this guy? The movie Mitt came out, the documentary, and they were like, where was that guy? Right. But he was getting advised to be something he wasn't. And I just wonder what's happening to Ron DeSantis. And I think that's why you have some internal turmoil because they're not set on who he should be. And that's why I think that he has fallen. Yeah. Hogan, do you think that 
what, what did you think of the debate between DeSantis and Newsom? Because I said this before, I thought it was too late. I think that DeSantis benefited from it. He looked good. He had some great stats. He conveyed his record really well. But I think that, um, and he showed that he can go toe to toe with a top Democrat. I think it just should have happened a lot earlier when that would have mattered more. I don't know that. Yeah. Just a couple of things. I want to hit on something Lindsay said. The fact that we're talking about we don't know who the real Ron DeSantis is personality wise with 40 days to go to the caucus is really one of the problems. It would have been better, I think, in one of those debates to lean into it and say, look, I understand a lot of people don't think I'm likable. I understand I'm a little awkward. But what I am is someone who can get the job, like lean into what you are, right? Like Romney tried to pretend he wasn't rich. Trump was like, yeah, I'm rich. Don't you want to be rich? We can all be rich, right? Lean into what you are instead of trying to change it. It makes you yeah, but look- See, see the, Hogan, here's what I'll tell you. The difference is this, and I, I agree with everything that you guys are saying because I think that's the beauty of Trump. He embraced his success and said, I've been successful and the reason I'm running for president is because I want you to be successful and I'm a billionaire and I've played by the rules and I've made these donations and I've got a plan. And he actually, it, people were like, I love it. Whereas Romney hid from his success and his wealth, yeah. right? The difference is, and here's why I would argue, you have been around a lot of campaign Hogans. Tell me about the room that you walk into where you say, Governor DeSantis, hi, it's me, Hogan. I just want to tell you something. I think it would be great if you started the debate by acknowledging that people don't like you and that you're just a little awkward. Like, that's no. a bit different than embrace your success and your wealth. That's no, like saying- but that's the elephant in the room that dogs I get it. I'm not saying, but I'm telling you, how would you as an aide approach that conversation where you're walking in and saying, well, can I just all, talk to you privately about something? Yeah, well, I mean, you got to be honest with the candidate. And, and I think it's not something Ron DeSantis doesn't know. That's why he's in the position he's in right now. Look, I found his talking points and his d- data far superior to uh, Gavin Newsom's. And Gavin is slick and oil. So, uh, snake oil salesman as he is, he still comes across as a little bit more affable. It looks greasy to us, but I could see how the middle of America would go, yeah, listen to him. He, he's, how dare you? It was calm. DeSantis came across very harsh and, 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 and halty. And that's a presentation issue. It's not a personality issue. But I'm saying we know that about him. I think he won it because on the merits, he had better solutions and his record is far superior at making the people of Florida have a brighter future and a, 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 a brighter present than that of Gavin Newsom. It's obvious, okay? Yeah. But the, the, the problems at the top of that campaign with the pack and everything, we get all that. That's where I do think the voter doesn't care anything about that. That's why the Vanderplots and the Kim Reynolds piece doesn't even focus on the hierarchy there. They're focused on the grassroots turnout. I will say one thing about Trump, and Sean, you were part of this, and I was on the outside, on another campaign with Huckabee early on in 16, I remember us making the claim to ABC and NBC. We met with those news organizations. It's a Facebook candidacy. Those people aren't going to show up and caucus for that guy. They just want an, an, an autograph. They want a picture with him. They want to be part of it. Well, I'll be damned if they didn't show up for him. In fact, he got the most votes ever, only eclipsed by Ted Cruz, who won the state. And I want to remind everyone in Iowa, I'm from South Carolina, seven of the last 12 people who win Iowa won the nomination. 11 out of the 12 to one South Carolina won the state, won the nomination. So it doesn't have necessarily a reputation of picking presidents. That's an interesting dynamic I think we should watch too. Well, that's, and they will tell you. I mean, if you ask people in Iowa, they'll say our job is to winnow the field and then New Hampshire, yeah. South Carolina, Nevada help get that that person launched off. But Tony Katz, let's go back to the debate a second. I, I actually will say something you know, that I thought was interesting. I give Gavin Newsom a ton of credit for showing up. 
He shows up, he debates Ron DeSantis, who's running for president of the United States. He knows that he not only has to de- defend California, which oh, I, I wouldn't want to defend <laughs> that, um, but he has to basically be the de facto Biden-Harris surrogate, which he was, and he's facing Sean Hannity as the moderator. I, I, was, I, I had a newfound appreciation. I don't think he did well, don't get me wrong, but I was like, dude, that takes a lot. Of like to say, I'm going into the lion's den and I'm willing to do it. And I tell you what, if I were, I get it. We're all talking like he is auditioning for 2028 right now and saying, look at what I can do. I will not back down on anyone. I will defend the party. Da, 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 da. I tell you, I've been a big, put, like I've always thought Pete Buttigieg is the, the guy that the Democratic establishment is going to rally behind. Gavin Newsom as a straight white male, I've just had a hard time thinking that the Democratic Party will embrace, but he made a good, good case that he can take the fight to the to the right at that Fox News debate. All right. Uh, let me let me give a, a, a counterpoint to that. Uh, no, okay. not 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 at all. I think showing up might have been the easiest decision uh, he has ever made. He has made more choices on what hair product to use than he did having to do uh, this this debate. He didn't worry about whether or not a factual statement was being made. He had his talking point to right. return, and that talking point was always going to take place. Uh, if, if you ask me whether or not this debate was worthwhile, I will tell you that I don't think it was because there was not an actual conversation about the issues. Rather, there was talking point to talking point to talking point, and there were a multiplicity of times where Sean Hannity's questions were not answered by Gavin Newsom. Showing up was the easiest thing to do because all he had to do was read from the corporate line, hit the corporate bullet points, he'll get the attaboy, the pat on the back, and say, 2028 is all yours. The, the, to your second point about Pete Buttigieg, look, I'm, I'm an Indiana guy. He was the mayor of South Bend, and he was a terrible mayor of, of South Bend. And he is a, I think he comes across to middle America, if we're going to talk uh, about us, as a smarmy guy. He doesn't come across as a guy who seems capable and able, and he proves that time and time again. Your point, though, uh, is, is, Sean, is, is the point. This Democratic Party is going to nominate a straight white man. This Democratic Party, it is in, uh, to, to quote Princess Bride, inconceivable uh, that this could, could, could be the case. So I, I know that he must be aiming for it. I just can't believe this party would allow it. I think the thing that, well, that was interesting to me, Lindsay, is, look, I, 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 I think the inconceivable, Tony Katz pulling the Princess Bride reference out is perfect. The solid. idea in this day and age allowing a straight white dude to be the nominee of the party. And, and I got to say, considering the word salads that come out of most of the folks in the, in the Biden administration, I looked at him and said, yes, he might not. And just so we're clear, I agree with Tony. He didn't say anything that was true. He kind of stuck to his talking points. But maybe I'm grading on a curve, Lindsey Keith, but I felt like you just aren't getting a ton of that coming out of the current administration. And therefore, that in itself shows that he could be a much better top of the ticket than anyone that they else that they have to offer. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, frankly, Sean. I think I give him kudos for joining this debate. He knew that he was going to be on his heels the whole time with Sean Hannity and being on Fox. So you got to give him something for that, him being willing to do it. And he's not running. At the end of the day, I actually talked to a Democratic strategist. No, he's not running. No. He's not running. But you know what? I actually do not know how they could, if they wanted to replace Biden with Gavin Newsom, I don't know how they do it. How do you you know, supersede Kamala Harris to be the first female black president. 
it would look terrible to the Democratic Party. And so for that reason, I don't see that he has any chance to replace him in 2024 mm-hmm. and potentially even in 2028. And that's what I was talking to the Democratic strategist about. And they were saying they actually don't think that he has that big of a shot in 2028 either. I will I will back you up on your point, though. He is more suave than anybody that the Biden administration has right now. And that's what we saw from Obama. I mean, you look at this guy. I mean, people, that's where you have the term, I want to have a beer with my my president. It just seemed like someone you could pull up a chair with and have a conversation with him. And you don't get that from Biden at all. And that seems like something you do get from Gavin Newsom, but he does in a very progressive Democratic Party that we're seeing that's moving further and further left. I don't see how he has a chance in 2028. And also, I mean, if you look at the premise of this debate, the reason he's on his heels is because California has had the greatest exodus almost yeah. in its history of people leaving because why? They don't like how it's governed yeah. because right. taxes are high, crime's high, um, companies moving out as well, not just individuals. So I don't know why you'd want someone like that to govern. No, I, listen, I, I agree with all that. I mean, you think about the homelessness, the high taxation, the number of businesses that are moving out, the migration of normal people, the, the, how they, anyway, I get it, but I just, I, and I, I can't help but think, I mean, it's funny, you talk about pulling up a beer and I immediately kept thinking to myself, yes, at the French Laundry, like where he yes, dines. Right. Like, you know, he, True. he undercuts his own thing, but but, but I, I want to actually just for, for fun, go around the horn again real quick. Hogan Gidley, what is Gavin Newsom's future in the Democratic Party? Do you think that he is a future nominee or is he done? He's not someone I want to have a beer with. Maybe a Beaujolais, for example, would be a better <laughs> for, for um, Gavin Newsom. Look, <clears throat> I don't know what his future is, but I would say in this current cycle, I would love to see him and that faction in the party who wants him versus Kamala, because we know by their definition, if they choose Gavin Newsom over Kamala and prop him up, they by by their own words are sexist, bigoted, yes. uh, and racist. So well, I'm just, just, for that. just hold on, just so just so people understand this, right? So Biden is the is on the ballot. He is unopposed yes. in almost every state. So yes. barring the convention, he is the nominee. People have yes. to understand that. If he were to drop out, you would then go to the, after the convention, it goes to the VP, which is Harris. Gavin Newsom, the only shot he has is if something were to happen to Biden or Biden himself steps down before the convention right. and the convention can do that. And I agree with all of you. I have a hard time believing all of these progressives at a convention of Democrats is going to choose not to elevate the first black woman that Joe Biden yes. has put on a ticket because she checks all those boxes in favor of a white man. So let's just go from there in the last, I mean, I, I want to put that out there. Just Hogan, finish that thought. And then Tony, do you, do you agree that that's where we are right now? Yeah, no, I think I think Biden's a nominee. I don't think they're going to prop up uh, Gavin. I think they'd have to go to Kamala. There's no other choice for them. Tony, uh, I I would argue that Biden will be the nominee to the convention. You asked where Gavin Newsom's uh, position is, and Gavin Newsom's position will be uh, some ambassadorship or something else for being a a good soldier. But you don't have to have Gavin Newsom replace Biden at the convention and worry about stepping over uh, Kamala Harris and the racism uh, that you'll be uh, accused of and the sexism. They can get rid of all of that when they pick Michelle Obama. Oh, I've been on. saying you, this for a long time. Okay. I will say something Tony, that no one's saying listen, here. Hold on. Why, you, why are, you, are we arguing with what these people will do? Why they, are we Michelle arguing Obama with the fact that they will absolutely the do this? Do you, do you, uh, honest to God, do you really believe that Michelle Obama could be 
the nominee of the Democratic Party, Tony Katz. I believe that this Democratic Party bases itself on checkboxes and she checks all the boxes. Okay. Of course it's possible. It's fair. So I actually Lindsay, think that's true. Do you agree with that? I actually do because the oh only God. way, here's the thing, Sean, the only way you can replace Kamala Harris is by another black woman. And why wouldn't you want a black woman who's the, would bring the first man as Barack Obama? I mean, it's it's I, a match made in heaven and people Hogan would be so Gidley, happy. Please save me. But Hogan one Gidley. thing, what if Gavin Newsom becomes the VP to Kamala Harris? That could also be an option. Uh, no. Oh, uh, no, I think you watch those two in a room. Oh my God. But I think Michelle Obama Gidley, is more likely. Me, do, you, do you think, you don't honestly believe Michelle Obama could be the nominee, do you? It is a point zero 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 one percent chance of that happening. So I think that's about there's a times. chance. I am, but I don't think <laughs> it's a We're good. going now with you dumb and dumber from Princess She doesn't want to. Guys, what's going to happen job. is people are going to see how likely it is that Trump will beat Biden and Democrats are going to start to freak out and they will have to rally and they will have to bring somebody oh who God. they That's know can beat. That's and it's not Kamala Harris, it will be I mean, Michelle Obama. Okay. Lindsay's 100% All right. right. Um, I, it's you obvious that everybody that. started drinking really early today. Uh, that's never going to happen uh, for a variety of reasons that we need to break out later before. But I do want to thank you all. Lindsay, Keith, it's always great to be so back good to see you, uh, united Sean. with you. Hogan Gidley, always amazing to have you on. Thanks for all the great work that you're doing out there at the America First Policy Institute, really looking at the elections and what's going on there. And Tony Katz, Thanks, the voice man. of Indiana, always awesome to have you on. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you kicking off your Monday. As I said, we're live from Alabama all week long. As part of this News Nation debate that's taking place, I'll be there pre-post coverage all week long. Send me those messages. Feel free to text 571-441-4991. Shoot me, sign up at the VIP uh, link, seanspicershow.com slash VIP. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Rumble, and YouTube. Sign up, subscribe. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show.